Welcome to the Dollar Wise Podcast. At HFM, one of the most significant values we provide our clients is leveraging our experience helping hundreds successfully navigate through life's transitions. On this podcast, our advisor team explores some of the questions we get every day from our clients. We share some insights on financial topics, and we interview some fantastic professionals from our vast network. Our hope is that you leave with some food for thought and some good ideas to consider. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Dollar Wise Podcast. I'm Jason, along with Tyler Reedman from HFM Investment Advisors. And today we want to talk to you a little bit about what's going on in the stock market, what's going on in the economy in general, what we're hearing from our clients and just people talking to us and golf trips and happy hours and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. A little bit of a crazy world. Yeah, it's definitely a crazy time, turbulent times. We have officially entered a bear market. I'm sure you've seen it on the news. You know, earlier in the year, we technically weren't in a bear market because it was an intraday decline of 20%. So we don't officially get into a bear market until the market closes at down 20% or more. So officially, we got there. The events leading up to this point for the first half of this year are plentiful. There's a lot of things going on a lot in the of world right? between inflation, between geopolitical tensions, labor force, you know, increases in wages. So there's a ton of stuff that has led up to this point. So now that we are here, is there anything that you feel like could have been handled differently to get us to this point or anything how we should have reacted to this? Yeah, I think that it's one of those things where you look back and you see like 2020 with coronavirus and COVID, especially when it was first happening. You know, and as far as the market's concerned, we saw like a really quick downturn of like 35%. And then it came back up for the end of the year and it actually ended up at all time highs. But just as an economy, you know, we got a lot of money pumped in and, you know, that might have saved us at the time from a recession or from the economy slowdown. But, you know, I think we're going to be seeing it. Now, to what degree, nobody knows. And so what we always try to focus on is what can we do to put ourselves in the right mindset to make sure that we make it through this tough time in the economy, in the stock market, and not make a mistake that we could regret forever, especially when it comes to our investing and how we're handling our money. Yeah, we were joking around actually right before recording this episode, thinking about almost if we're going on a camping trip in the woods, right? And we are stranded out there. What are the five things that we would need to survive that trip, to survive that time period out there? And we thought it'd be a cool idea to say, what are the five things that we need to essentially survive this bear market? So the first one that came to my mind, and we'll go back and forth with some ones that came up with, was knowing your risk tolerance. We say it all the time. You've heard the words risk tolerance before, but the absolute worst time to find out what your risk tolerance is, is during a bear market. That's something you want to talk with your advisor about throughout the years, during good times, bad times, times that are kind of stale and stable, because the worst time to find it out is during a bear market. Why is that? Well, because then sometimes we act emotionally. We act irrationally. And that's the last thing we want to do. We never want to make mistakes that we can't recover from. So how do we determine what our risk tolerance is? There's a ton of different ways. The simplest form is just a conversation with somebody who's experienced in that know-how. There are a ton of different quantitative tests you can take to get you on that track to understanding what your risk tolerance is. And then what do we do with it? Well, we align it with the portfolio. Because if your portfolio isn't aligned with your risk tolerance, it might not be easy to sleep at night. And that's what's most important at the end of the day. And the trickiest part with that I've always found is that when things are really good, like 2021, by all accounts, was a great year for the markets. It was almost straight up, very low day-to-day ups and downs. 
And when you're cheating out on the curve of how aggressive you actually should be, you feel like a million bucks because you're making way more than essentially you should be based on how you feel about risk. And when people tell us, you know, they don't like volatility or they don't, I always kid that you, know, you don't like downward volatility. You love upward <laughs> we volatility. Love upward yeah, volatility. exactly. Right. <laughs> and so when we think about risk tolerance and how we're measuring that and how we're translating that into your portfolio, we're connecting how much risk you're comfortable with with your risk tolerance and how much we actually put in your portfolio of things that are going to be on the more volatile side. And so I agree, you know, and it comes down to figuring out your risk tolerance. It's a tricky thing because at the end of the day, it can change. You know, also when things are really good, people tend to come back because we, we do it with our clients every year. We do a risk tolerance questionnaire with them. And it's not uncommon that when things are really good in the market, everybody looks like an aggressive investor. And all of a sudden they're super comfortable with all this risk because it's immediately being rewarded. When things turn on the other side, then we start seeing our risk tolerance questionnaires come in a lot lower for the same people. And so that kind of leads right into the second piece of our bear market survival guide. And I would say focusing on time horizon because there's two parts of your risk tolerance. There's how you feel about risk and how much of up and down you can take. But then there's also what risk you need to be taking to reach your goals based on how long until you're going to spend this money. And the number one, I mean, people have short-term goals, they have mid-term goals, but for the most part, most people's money and their savings is going towards their longest-term goal, which is retirement. Yeah, absolutely. It's no secret that the way we invest for retirement is different than the way we would invest for a home down payment. But for the purposes of this, we're talking about retirement savings, long-term investing. This is money that we're investing for decades. And guess what? When we do retire, we're not going to stop investing on day one, right? This is money that's invested throughout our retirement for decades to come. So the most important thing is to understand, even if you are close to retirement or you're far away from retirement, there are still decades where we're going going to be investing. If we were at a point where it's like, okay, I think I'm going to be pulling 30% of this money out within a few years, that's a different story, you know, but for most people getting up to retirement and years away from retirement, that's not the case. So when there are these contractions, we call it a temporary decline in account value, right? Because we haven't actually lost anything unless we sold. So when we do enter times like this, it's super important to remember that eventually it will recover and the best part about it is we have a long time horizon. We align our time horizon with the way we invest. So things will eventually work out. And that's so critically important because one of the things that we hear so often from our clients, and I understand because investing is inherently emotional and psychological, whether we want to believe that or not. It's a lot of numbers and dollars and cents, but reality is what we do with our money and the actions we take are heavily influenced by what goes on between our ears. And so one of the things we hear from clients a lot when things get a little rocky is, I don't have time for it to recover, especially our people that are getting close to retirement or people that are in retirement. Because when you get this messaging through news that you watch constantly or social media or even just talking to your friends that these bear markets last forever, you feel like, I don't have 10 years for it to recover. I've actually heard that before. And the ironic part of that is it's never taken 10 years to recover. It's never even taken close to that. The average time to recover from a bear market is about 18 months. And so it ebbs and flows from there. Some were longer, some were a lot shorter. But the reality is when you're investing for a long time horizon, and even if you're in retirement and you're only taking out a little bit of your money at a time, 
most people have 18 months for it to recover. That's usually my response is, exactly. are you sick or something I need to know about? You're not going to make it 18 more months? Right. And they laugh a little bit. But the reality is you got to keep your wits about you and you got to focus on what is the time horizon for this money? Does anybody like to see their nest egg drop 20%? Of course not. But you have to think about what is the plan for this money? Which of this money am I spending soon? What of it am I not spending for 20 years? And that's how you really have to kind of put your put your armor on and bear through this bear mark. And <laughs> 100%. All right, taking a turn, taking a pivot into something that I know you and I think is a super sexy conversation. We go to cocktail hours just shouting it from the mountaintops. It is probably the most exciting thing out there and the word is diversification. Yeah, diversification at its simplest, right, is keeping your eggs in multiple baskets, right? You don't want all your eggs in one basket. You don't want to be invested in only a couple different companies in only one or two different sectors. We like to invest across thousands of different companies, across dozens of countries in dozens of sectors, small companies, large companies, micro cap companies. That is at its purest form, diversification. So Jason, why is it important that we diversify? And how has this most recent bear market impacted investors who maybe aren't diversified? Well, I mean, diversification and its essence gives us the most efficient return risk profile over the long term. So the more things you have exposure to, the more chance that you're going to have some of what did well, and you're also sometimes going to have some of what did poorly. But at the end of the day, it gives you the smoothest experience historically. That said, it's really easy for people to get distracted away from diversification because it's not sexy. It's not exciting. You know, it's not like you're going to talk about, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, at the end of the day, you're not going to have these big stock win stories to talk to your buddies about or to post on Twitter about or whatever about how you made 80% on this stock in three weeks. Like it just doesn't work that way. And when, you know, we're sitting in 2020 or 2021, when a lot of people got either distracted away from diversification or were new to investing and all they saw was the Robin Hoods of the world and these stock trading apps and accounts where you could get in and I think the number was something like 96% of the S&P 500 stocks were up from like the end of 2020 to like the end of 2021. (laughs) You can't be wrong. You can't be wrong. And you get this illusion that you have it figured out and that I put money in, it grows. I buy this stock, it grows. I buy this stock, it grows. And that's really dangerous because even somebody who looks to have it figured out, and one of the examples we use was somebody who was kind of the darling of 2020, this fund manager, Kathy Wood, she managed a fund that had most of the names that happened to absolutely rip the leather off the ball during the Pelotons of the world, the Zooms. As we were going into COVID, these were the companies that were making tons of money, Netflix, right? And so she had them in her fund and her, her results were in the triple digits, right? So she had it figured out, it looked like. And so even her, somebody who has that kind of track record where she was in triple digit returns for the year, 100 plus percent for the year, right? Now, fast forward to where we are today, two years later, and that focus on high tech stocks is absolutely crushing her to the point that her fund actually has worse returns than a diversified yep. index yeah. of technology stocks, the NASDAQ 100. So it's, it's you know, unfortunately, it doesn't always happen that fast, yeah. but it, the history would tell us that diversification is what provides that more consistent, predictable experience. On that same point too, as, as we both know, I would say the two biggest sectors or industries where we saw people flooding into over the past few years, right? No secret, it was technology stocks and the beloved cryptocurrency exchange. So 
tech stocks have been on a tear, no secret, for the past decade, 15 years, let's call it, right? And they've gotten hit probably the hardest sector-wise, you know, traditional sectors, looking at that compared to energy, retail, healthcare. Technology has gotten hit pretty hard. Just look at the NASDAQ right now. It, it's down much more than the S&P 500. So if point. you were somebody that was very concentrated in tech stocks, not diversified, you are not faring as well as somebody right now that is diversified a little more prudently. Cryptocurrency, whole different story. You know, we always say it's not inherently a bad thing to have a little bit of your net worth in cryptocurrency if you're a believer in it. Personally, I don't, just full disclosure. But yeah, likewise. if you are over concentrated in cryptocurrency, I mean, unfortunately, right now you're getting hammered. Things are down 70, 80% in some cases. And that's something that's really hard to recover from. I'm not saying it can't come back, but it's just so important that if you are a believer in something and, and you want to be in it to do it responsibly and diversify it with more traditional assets as well. Absolutely. I mean, it's important to just keep that focus on diversification, even if cryptocurrency is something you want to add or something like that. Just remember how much of the world market does it make up? It's only about two or 3% when you compare it to stocks and bonds and things like that. So you should kind of keep that view of, okay, there's really no academic reason to have more than two or 3% in something like that. Not to say you shouldn't have it, but also two or 3% is going to make or break your investment returns. So, you know, it's more of a fun thing than anything else. But yeah, it's, it's just got to be really careful when you overweight anything, when you say, I'm going to buy this select group of whatever it is. And I'm going to believe that it's going to do better than everything else because Wall Street is littered with people who thought that their thing was going to do the best. Absolutely. Um, to just, you got to stick to that really exciting, sexy diversification. Yep. Okay. Moving on to number four in our bear market survival kit. I know you being an expert in psychology. That's right. Are about to tell me all about I'm prospect obvious. <laughs> yeah. In my our, spare time. Okay, yeah. Jason, I'm, I'm ready for you to tell me all about prospect theory and specifically how it relates to how often I check my investment accounts. So we talked a little bit earlier about how your time horizon is important. And so, you know, assuming that you have money set aside for emergencies and cash and, and you have, you know, your, your buckets set up properly, then you got to think about, well, if I'm not going to spend these other buckets for 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years, how often do I really need to be checking? Because at the end of the day, if you're diversified and you're globally allocated and you're in the portfolio that you belong in, the returns are going to be whatever the returns are in the future. The difference is how you feel about that experience. And it sounds a little touchy-feely, but the reality is that affects how you invest and potential actions you take that could hurt yourself. So what we realize is the more you check your statements, the less likely you are to see a gain. And so if you look at the the research, if you check daily, I believe it says you have about a 53 or 54% like chance of seeing a gain, Yeah, right? So immediately right off the bat, half the time you're going to feel like crap because you're going to see a loss. And even though you're not going to spend this money for 30 years or 10 years or whatever it is, you feel bad today. Yeah. If you go to like quarterly, I believe it jumps into the high 60 percentage chance, 68%, something like that, that you're going to see a gain. So still better, but there's still a third of the time you're going to feel like crap because it's down. If you go to annually, it jumps into like the 90%. I think it's 93% chance that you're going to see a gain and only a 7% chance you're going to see a loss. So if you're only, I'm not saying you can only check annually, but the less you check your balances, the greater chance that you're going to see a gain if you look historically. And so again, over that 10 or 15 or 20 year time horizon, your results are going to be the same. The difference is something you're totally in control of 
how often you check is going to dictate how you feel about that experience. Because again, the more you check, the more chance you're going to see a decline. Well said. Yeah. And at the core of that prospect theory is the idea that negative things impact us more than positive things. So for instance, right, when you break it down into like a formula, when something good happens, we gain one unit of emotion. When something bad happens, we lose two units of emotion. I mean, think about all the times that something silly happens throughout their day and it absolutely just ruins your day, right? We harp on it. We don't forget it. Sometimes it goes with us for the rest of the week. Conversely, Great stuff happens all the time. Compliments, people passing by, giving us a smile. We don't always focus on that. So as we can all imagine, negative stuff impacts us more than positive stuff impacts us. And that boils right down to our investment portfolios. You said it earlier. You know, We love upward volatility. We hate downward volatility. But we don't talk about the upward volatility as much because we don't think about it as much. It's only when the flashing headlines come, the news of a bear market comes, that we really start to focus on it a lot more. And I think we play is true even with our conversations with our clients. When things are great, nobody calls. I mean, we talk to them, you know, we reach out, we set up reviews and all that stuff. But when they're up 20%, nobody calls. As soon as they go down, single digit percentages even, you know, that's when people start to, not a lot of clients, but that's when we start to get, see people getting concerned. And so a part of our job is to always remind them, you know, that where it fits in. But at the end of the day, yeah, we are absolutely more you know, in tune with things that are negative. And I'm sure it goes back to evolution and, you know, thousands of years of our development. But, you know, we have to remind ourselves that time horizon, diversification, make sure we're in the right risk tolerance. Yeah. So I would argue that those first four pieces of our survival kit allow us to survive our our little excursion, right? I think we would have made it out, but I don't know if we would have thrived. I think this fifth one is how we thrive. That's right. And the fifth one- how we gain from it, it, right? Yeah, we need to thrive. We need to come out there stronger, better, hungrier. And that one is don't stop investing. Don't stop investing. When you look at people that have been investing for 20, 30, 40, 50 years and have these super large account balances, you always think like, wow, I wish I could have started investing back then, or I wish I was around or had the money to investing back then. Well, we are in these times now where this is an opportunity to get in while the market is lower, while it's not at all time highs, while it's at a discount. You know, We like buying things when they're on sale. The market is on sale right now. And I'm not saying put everything you have in the stock market because we need to look at your goals first, but investing during good times, bad times, really bad times is so, so important. I saw a great chart a couple of weeks ago and something I was reading. It was talking about dollar cost averaging, which basically dollar cost averaging is what most people are doing in their 401k. It's regular investing of similar amounts over long periods of time. Because one of the things that's incredibly difficult, and we see it with clients of ours that are business owners or executives that get big, large sums of money, like bonuses or people that inherit money, the mental just hurdle. anguish yeah. that people go through <laughs> figuring out when to invest a lump sum of money. And is it the bottom of the market? Is it the top of the market? Should I invest? Is very, very difficult to contend with versus just putting in a little bit at a time over long periods of time. Well, what's interesting about it is this chart tracked contributions, each contribution and its return by the end of the period. And what was really neat was, as you would expect, the contributions that were going in from people's paychecks and their 401k in the worst times of the market, like right now, well, 15 or 20 or 30 years from now 
are the contributions that grew the most because they were put on in at a discount and because they were put in when the market's off 20% or 25%. So, you know, buying low, selling high is the golden rule of investing. But I could tell you psychologically, that's very difficult for people to do because when, when things are really low, they're always worried they're going to go lower. And that's totally possible. It's totally possible that it gets worse from here. But we have to go on the assumption that it will get better. How long that takes, we don't know. But again, when you have that long time horizon, you know, a year or two doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. You just have to stay committed to investing money into knowing that it's going to come back. I heard a great, well, one thing we hear a lot is, I want to invest this money, right? But I want to wait until things get better. Well, I always compare that to over the long term, right? Long, long term. We know that the stock market's going to recover. This is going to be a blip and it should be higher than this over the long term, right? Take it with like real estate. If you knew you wanted to buy a house, like I need to buy a house, right? And you were of the belief that 10, 20 years from now, housing prices are going to go up, right? Are you going to tell your real estate agent, now I want to wait until housing prices go up before (laughs) I put my offer in, right? No, you want to get it at the best price possible. And it's the same thing with the stock market. It's the same thing with the stock market. So the irony I think is when things are really good, which we have immediate, we have very recent dichotomy, right? So the end of 2021, again, market was up double digit percent. It was, it was a great year for the market. And we have people on that side saying, I don't want to invest because the market's too high. Yeah. So, and it's sometimes it's the same people. Yeah. They, they don't want to invest because the market's too high and then it drops and they don't want to invest because they're afraid it's going to well, drop more. The housing more. market right now is so high, historically high. If the housing market right now dropped 20%, I would find the money and buy a house right That's now. That's right. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I want that white picket fence. Why the dog, is the, the stock market thing, differently? You know? know, maybe it's not tangible, but we need to wrap our heads around the fact that over the long term, the stock market is the greatest wealth creator of all time. And getting on board with that ideology is huge to our long term success. That's a great reminder because even if you're investing in funds, even if you're investing in ETF, whatever you're investing in, at the end of the day, if you're investing in stocks, you're investing in people. You're investing in companies that make a profit even for their own self-interest. So if anybody's going to figure it out, it's going to be companies, going to be entrepreneurs, going to be boards of directors, elite people in the world. Absolutely. And so, you know, that's the reminder is that at the end of the day, these people have to figure it out for their own good. And when you're a stockholder, you're going to benefit from that. And so that pretty much wraps up our stock market, bear market survival guide. I really appreciate everybody coming and spending the time to listen to our podcast here today. If you're not subscribed to the Dollar Rise podcast, hit, the button. hit that button, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, I don't even know at this point how many we're on, <laughs> but make sure you're subscribed. Podcasts, you get yep. those new, yep. you get every new episode right into your phone. That push notification goes off. Put that big smile on your face and listen to your favorite HFM financial <laughs> advisors. Thanks again for taking the time and and we'll see you on the next podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Dollar Wise Podcast. At HFM, our mission is to educate and empower our clients to make wise financial decisions. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at hfmadvisors.com. The Dollar Wise Podcast is presented by HFM Investment Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor firm. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer for sale or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. All investments involve risk and are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as a recommendation appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. 
Past performance is not indicative of future performance. 